This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunt of a lifetime, changing lives one adventure at a time. Empowering kids with courage. Join us in creating memories for kids facing life-threatening illnesses. We are here to make dreams come true. From magical outdoor escapades to heartwarming experiences, every moment is cherished. With every step of our young heroes, find a network of support, love, families, volunteers, and friends unite to uplift spirits and spread smiles. Amidst breathtaking landscapes, kids find strength they never knew they had. Together we conquer challenges and celebrate victories. Be a part of the movement that transforms lives. Your contribution can bring courage and hope where it's needed most. Go to huntofalifetime.org to get involved. Let's create a world of cherished moments and unstoppable bravery. Brought to you in part by Maine Operation Game Thief, New Hampshire Wildlife Heritage Foundation, International Wildlife Crime Stoppers, and the North American Game Warden Museum. Please join me, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and other Game Wardens on our adventures protecting wildlife, saving lives, and having fun, all while serving the public and the natural resources of our planet. Listen to the tales and experience of those who work in the outdoors while being entertained with stories about encounters with poachers, wildlife investigation, murder investigation, near-death experiences, search and rescue missions, wildlife interactions from game wardens around the country and around the world. When I retired, I realized I couldn't let go of that legacy, but rather wanted to share the passion, the commitment, and the stories of those men and women that call themselves game wardens. This is Game Warden, Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch. Warden's Watch, episode 115, the North American 
Game Warden Museum with Board of Directors and Game Wardens Tom Kafa and Sheila Pocat. As, as usual, sitting down and learning more Game Warden stuff. And this is one for the books with the Game Warden Museum. Its location, uh, where it came from, how it happened, and sitting down with these board of directors gives you some very cool insight and adds a destination for your bucket list. And I would encourage you guys to look at the cover of this podcast if you get a chance on social media, whether you follow me on Instagram, Facebook, just take a look at it. It's it's a really pretty picture with some really great colors, and it's just a beautiful place located at the International Peace Gardens just above North Dakota, as you're going to find out in this podcast. It's kind of the in-between. It's not really... In Canada, it's not really in the United States. It's an in-between, really cool location for uh, the Game Warden Museum. So I don't want to let you in on all the the episode, but you're going to really get some insight into the history of Game Wardens. And we have a very rich history across North America. You'll enjoy this one. So I'm going to read a few reviews here. So if you haven't done a review, I'm going to encourage you to do a review. It's kind of funny. I run into people along the way and they see me and they're like, I haven't done a review yet and I'm feeling guilty about it. So I hope you're feeling guilty about not doing a review right now. Get on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I think you can do it on Spotify. I've been told both ways. Uh, The other places you can do it is Audible, which I just found out the other day. There's a couple reviews on Audible. Uh, certainly Apple Podcast, uh, we're at like almost 350 reviews. And that helps people when they see that, that it's got a 4.9 star review. I'd love to go to five. So maybe you're going to put me over the top to the number five spot. I would appreciate that. going to just read a few of these. I feel like I'm sitting in the passenger seat of the cruiser. So good. Great podcasts with no new episodes of Northwood's Law. This is the perfect way to get your fill. And then uh, September 14th is the latest one. I started a couple weeks ago and have listened to the first 37 episodes. Looking forward to hearing to hear from the Texas Game Wardens where I am from. Well, we've had one Texas Game Warden on there. Benny Richards has been on there, but we need to put some more on there. Time is everything. Time is everything to get these things out. Dropping a couple a month. Uh, just uh, with everything else I do with working at the White Mountains Community College as the conservation law coordinator, their advisor there, International Wildlife Crime Stoppers as the new executive director there, as well as president of Operation Game Thief. Uh, I've got a, a lot on my plate and I try to balance it and yeah, not doing so good. Just cut back from uh, showing dogs with my son at Eastern States Exposition, where all the Eastern States come together and 4-H competes uh, in numerous things, whether it's uh, sheep, goats, beef, dairy, and canines. So my son's uh, very much into canines. He did very well down there. His dog placed, uh, so we had a good time. And with good people, it's a good way for the youth to develop leadership skills, connections with their animals, as well as uh, 4-H does a lot more than just animals. We always think of farming and 4-H, but there's so much more to 4-H. And what they really focus on is developing the youth 
for leaders of tomorrow. Uh, so I really enjoy working with that group of people. Listen to this podcast. Check out the Game Warden Museum. It's on my bucket list. Uh, hopefully we can do a live podcast from there at some point. That would be, let's face it, epic. Enjoy. On this Warden's Watch, we got a pretty special episode, I think. Uh, we are sitting down with two board members of the North American Game Warden Museum. So we're going to talk about the museum. And we have the vice president, and you guys have uh, have heard from Tom before. Tom Kafa, he's uh, a captain in New York. I got that right, Tom? Okay. Yep. I didn't want to give you a promotion or demotion if I didn't need to. So, um, And then Sheila Pocket, so that we're going to be talking to. And Sheila will be on again somewhere down the road talking uh, to her about Rhode Island and, uh, you know, especially a female officer, too. I always uh, like to have female officers on to inspire that next generation of female officers, too. And Sheila's been at this job for a very long time and is very involved in a lot of things uh, with her association in Rhode Island for a long time there. And now uh, as the secretary on the North American Game Warden Museum. And the, the term Game Warden is very specific to North America too, isn't it? Oh, I for mean, sure. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah, you go outside North America and you become a ranger. Yeah. And, and, we're, and I think we're very proud of that title too, all of us, to the point where, and I'm going to mess this up because I do every time, NAWIA is, is rebranding to International Game Warden Association, and that's the North American Wildlife Enforcement. Enforcement. That's the one that always gets me, the Enforcement Officer Association. So, and for me, it's simple, it's better. If anybody listens to me, yeah, simple is definitely better. <laughs> so, but we love our history as game wardens, as we should. I think everybody, genealogy-wise, everything, We I think we're proud of our heritage. We've done, Tom's been on before talking about some of the New York heritage, and it was the 150th uh, celebration. 140th. 140th. Okay, so remind, remind me when we hit 150, we'll do it again. So, <laughs> if I'm here. Yeah. If you're here. <laughs> yeah. You, you'll be here at some manner, uh, some way. And again, when we talk about support for like the museum, you know, you have retirees and supporting. And, you know, I always remember Tom Green. Tom has passed away. But what a passionate guy about the museum. It's just, it's, it's a passion we have and we want to carry on that mission. And to have a place that somebody can go and reflect on our mission is, is I'm going to use my favorite word, epic again. Thanks. So, when did the museum start and how? So, very briefly, you know, it started as an idea with Nauia back in the 80s, the late, early 80s when they, they first formed Nauia. Uh, the museum as, a, as an entity started with um, the first meeting which was in 1988, I believe. They had several meetings talking about how are they going to do it, how are they going to fund it. You know, mm -hmm. Nawia, of course, was a great believer and was really the major source of the funding to get it done. Uh, all the states and provinces contributed, and then they bought the property in 1996, which is up in the, in the International Peace Garden. And then in 2005 was when the museum itself was completed. Mm-hmm. So the physical place in 2005, but the idea started in the 80s. The idea started a long time ago. Right. And it just uh, progressed. And, and how did they get that selection? I mean, the North American Canadians are involved as much as the United States here in this process through NAWIA. And it was, did we want it close to the border? Was that one of the ideas? That's a good question about how they picked the location. I'm assuming it's because mm. it's 
the nexus between the two countries because the Peace Garden is kind of a no man's land mm-hmm. where you're not really in Canada, you're not really in the U.S. So you actually, when you go into the Peace Garden, you need your passport to get out no matter which way you go. Really? So you're really not in, technically, you're really not in either country. It's right. kind of neat. Don't it forget is... your passport when you come. Yeah. yeah. You can it... come in by both sides and go right into the Peace Gardens and visit the museum. But when you leave, you gotta you got to pick which country you want to go to. Ah, that's and either so way, you're going through customs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so interesting. So it, it it truly is an association of both countries, uh, a, a North American partnership in this. So, and I'll tell you, if our past president um, Dave Grant was here, mm-hmm. who's still active on the board, he could probably tell you the history right down to the minuscule detail. Mm. And and it's great that he's still around. Yeah, yeah, he's actually you know? our advisor. On our board, and he does a great job giving us all that history. Yeah. I mean, we're really newbies compared to him, mm-hmm. even though we've been around a while. It's just, oh, hopefully it, he's not cringing oh. when he listens to this and is like. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's so helpful to have those people bring you into that job role and, and pass on that stuff. I know how many things I've taken over, and they feel very clumsily, you know, as, as the interim executive director for International Wildlife Crime Stoppers, I feel like I'm tripping over myself and I hate it. And I wish I had more insight to do that. So kind of that training level that he's doing uh, to, to pass on the torch, uh, so to speak, uh, for the museum is pretty neat. You actually talked about uh, Tom Green, deputy chief. My, yes. My deputy chief. Of Rhode Island. Yeah. And I started in 95 and this was just uh, in its infancy and getting mm. ready. And I just remember him talking about raising money for paving stones and raising money for the museum and so he was he was very active kind of like he it was his his passion for sure i mean uh, i remember paving stones too and and tom coming to talk to our association about paving stones and personal and just always every time you saw tom he was talking about the museum the museum the museum the museum is really important to him yeah which is is awesome that's why we got it done you know, people like Tom, they made this happen. That that 80s time for wildlife conservation was so important. You think about the Operation Game Thieves that were developed, the TIP programs, all in that 80s framework. And it was like we became a conservation, just uh, generating ideas to, to do this and carry on. It, it's very cool what got built in that time frame and, and how we're supporting it as we go. And speaking of support, you know, this this came out of Nauia. And Nauia is probably the biggest supporter still of the museum because it's made up of individual game wardens, A, and we can all contribute to it because that, that's a passion. But we, we did a torch run today that's been going on for how long? Uh, this was our 21st year. 21 years. 21 torch runs. 21? Yeah, we missed the two COVID years, obviously. But um, yeah. So, yeah, so 2000 was our, our first one. Yeah. That. that yeah. That that's incredible to have that many. And whose I do you guys know whose idea was this the torch run? That's a good question. I know it the um the Federal Wildlife Enforcement Officers Association, the US Fish and Wildlife mm-hmm. guys were the ones that were really running the show back then. So okay. they and I wish I knew I, I knew the name, but it escapes me now. There were two or three players there that were very uh, they were the major ones, but that that officer association took the torch run through its first ten or eleven years, mm. and they really were. I mean, they were good at it. Yeah, and uh, they were good at getting donations. They were good at getting sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of hooks. 
Mm-hmm. It was back in a little while ago where raffling guns and stuff was a little easier, not, not mm-hmm. as cumbersome, and so and you know you make you know big money. We're wardens, we love guns. Yeah, we do and love guns. We love don't hunting. We? Yeah, right. And it was an option back then. It was it was extra. It was an addition to right. the conference. So yeah. so now when you come to a Nauia conference, you are automatically put in for the five k, and exactly. it's just not a run. It's a walk. I saw people pushing children out there in carriages today. It, it, it was a pretty cool family event is what it is. If you wanted to walk it, you wanted to run it, you wanted to be for competition, you wanted to be there for support. It, it was just, it was cool. Um, very, very much enjoyed it. And I'm not a runner by any means, but uh, I kept up with my wife walking. She's got long legs and she just stretches it out there. So, Well, Nawia started as individuals. Game wardens were, sometimes it's a solitary job most mm-hmm. of the time. So they all got together and wanted to have this place where we could all go and have our own conference. So that developed into a conference of meeting different all over the country. Nawia's membership now with all the associations, I think I heard the number at one point during the board meeting, is over 9,000 members. Mm. So there's over 9,000 people. That doesn't mean they all go to the torch run and the and the conference, but those right. are all those people in this field. So that's how it started as to build it together. And then um, the trainings and the torch run, uh, some people do treat it very competitive. Some mm-hmm. people take it very competitively. Um, but this is a way for also another way for you to get together and just, and just walk. And in every state where the conference is held, it's different. Mm. So you see in Oklahoma, we saw the the park with the bronze statue of how they, you know, came across and made Oklahoma. In Tennessee, we were down um, right right there out in right, right there out in the area, and then this one we were out near Utah Lake. Mm. So every place that the conference is held, it's a different location. So right, different and that's very year. unique for a five k that it changes location every year. Yeah, you know, it changes scenery. Great, and it was an epic breakfast after, which I guess is a signature after right. the the torch run too. So yeah. the Utah guys uh, killed it this year, if you ask me. I mean. Yeah. The donuts were great. Yeah, I needed ate too many, but that's okay. <laughs> but it, sure. it, it's a really cool way that the game wardens that come participate automatically contribute to the museum. Museum, and you also have on your shirt you have the list of all the conservation officer associations that are around the country that also supported uh, the torch run and uh, the museum this year too. And that happens every year, right? Yes. yes. Very, very, very cool way to fund money and there's some other cool ways you guys uh, have some fundraisers here too right yes. so one unique one we were talking about is the the moose raffle yes, yes. yeah so so let's talk about that the museum similar to nuia is set up with both the canadian and the u.s counterpart mm-hmm. working together and so in the united states we have a raffle for raffles off a moose uh, permit and in North Dakota, it's a North Dakota permit. North Dakota, only residents can get this permit. So it's mm-hmm. the one time that a non-resident mm. can have an opportunity there to harvest a moose in the next season. Mm. They're $10 tickets, and it's not just a moose permit, but there's a few guns on there, a few other prizes we mm-hmm. have in there. And John Tofflin, who's our board director, he's also our U.S. treasurer, helps to run that raffle up there in Botnell, North Dakota. But it's yeah. but it's everywhere. Some people buy $100 worth of tickets. Mm-hmm. It's a great fundraiser. We've advertised it. You know, you can you can get it from anywhere. So mm. 
we have gotten into the new way instead of sending the little booklets where there's still little booklets as far as a raffle, but you can <laughs> Venmo, send a check right. and, and all that good stuff. So. Yeah. Fill, fill it out, take a picture yeah. back to them to verify. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the largest fundraisers that we have in addition to the, to the other ones. Nice. Yeah. So, and then there's a golf tournament in Canada. Yep. So golf you, tournament gets run there by our, uh, currently she's our uh, Canadian treasurer, Jessica. She's uh, up there in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. And, um, she runs that raffle and it's a way for, um, you know, she needs the volunteers and she does everything for that. They always have it at the same golf course. So it's a little, yep. um, but still running a golf tournament is very involved. Oh and, yes. And I've run a few knows. of them. <laughs> yep. No, it's Any a fundraiser can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Just a, a very cool thing supported by the guys that started it. And then it's, it's its own 501c3, a place that we can all go and appreciate. Uh, give some highlights of the museum. So if you're going to go and visit, what, what, what are some of the highlights that they, they're going to see there? You would most likely come after you come through and you come in. The museum is set off to your left and the International Peace Gardens are straight ahead. It's a beautiful function area. You can view the Memorial Garden for the what's the water feature there they have at the IPG we call it the IPG and now they're uh, doing a whole cactus succulent what's an IPG International Peace Garden oh okay okay I'm just sorry. okay no 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 now you can call it IPG okay, all day long sorry. and I'll know what you mean okay <laughs> and I get it <laughs> I know, sorry um, uh. and so as you leave there and you come there it's all on the same property mm-hmm. and you come down into the museum you'll see the structure itself in the museum you'll um, see all sorts of exhibits there's a gift shop uh, all on the inside and exhibits from cases that game wardens have done i um, saw a polar bear didn't mm-hmm. i there that's yeah. a big edu- uh, education uh, conservation i like polar bears mm-hmm. yeah when i can see mm-hmm. one taxidermied whether it's just it's cool polar yeah. bears are cool and then and then you go outside and that's where all the paving stones mm. lead the way to the memorial cairns and the memorial cairns each have a plaque from each state of a fallen and the end of watch is listed on that and mm. the person's name and the agency that they're from. Those yeah. are all those are all set up outside. And the paver stones that Tom Green used to sell, they're all etched in there leading up to that? Yes, they're all surround they surround mm. the building itself. Is there still paver stones being sold today? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And the installation that goes along with it. Mm. But to make the destination to go up there, it's right near what's called Lake Mitagoshi in the Turtle Mountain area yeah and it's a beautiful lake it's a tourism spot and uh you could go up and and spend a couple of days up there and there's all sorts of things to do near the lake and usually you fly we fly into uh minot and uh and how far from minot is it it's about a two-hour ride mm-hmm. it's, an, it's an easy ride yeah. mm-hmm. north, nope. north dakota that's that's fl- i was surprised at how flat it was when yeah. i was there yeah it's just a straight shot you didn't see any moose as you were traveling up through there I didn't. Okay. Keep your eyes peeled okay. in case I, you know, you know, win that raffle ticket. I think you know. you're going to buy. A f- <laughs> you're going to buy a few this year. I think. No doubt. Jeez. No, I, I think this is a great opportunity to sit down and just kind of do a teaser to the the North American Game Warden Museum and talk about the fundraising that International Game Warden Association is doing because we're kind of transferring to that name and it's easier for me to say than now we yes. So, um, and then it'll hopefully resonate uh, with, with with folks uh, just to, to, to hear our history and I've done several history things uh, with the podcast and there's some very iconic uh, people that have come up through the history of every one of our states. Uh, We have a really 
cool history of game wardens. Uh, some of the first things that people wanted to protect was food-related items, you know, deer, fish. Fish was huge, you know, that was, you know, substance of uh, the colonies for sure, uh, among other wild game. And when they started depleting that, they were like, holy crap, you know, we got to do something really quick here. So game protectors were some of the first law enforcement in North America and, and more important to people than police were back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were, they were some of the first police agencies. Yeah. Game warden service so and i think you know historically that's a carryover from just larger tracts of land and having a having a game warden on private property by mm. these by these families that could afford it absolutely um, and that's how it <laughs> hence our names came from the the, the english or right. across the pond that's there right. in, <laughs> initially so uh, we carry that and we carry it proudly today thanks for sitting down and uh any final words or anything that i you know i i missed and just if you're planning on going, you there's cabins you can rent. You can you can rent them in the summer. You can rent them in the winter. Nice. That's all through the IPG. The yeah. Garden, um, yeah. Yep. That's also the Peace Garden. But uh, the museum's not open in the winter. Okay. It is open uh, beginning around Mother's Day. Okay. Weekend. Summertime uh, only. Yep. And if people like me want to donate, we can go to the website and do a donation right there. It tells you how to donate too. It does. If it's not set up, there's a there's a link to the Winnipeg Foundation. And that QR code or that um, link will be right there. It's okay. Already been, it's already been up. And the Winnipeg Foundation supports the Game Warden Museum, I'm assuming. So that's where um, basically it's a way to put our put our money and become, you know, so it can grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we we can only do so much as a board mm-hmm. and as our, you know, as, a, as our two treasurers balancing out. Um, what to do but this is a way to perpetuate funding mm-hmm. for the museum through that foundation and we can draw from that as very well. nice every year we'll get we'll get something that will help mm-hmm. us to fund all our new initiatives and repairs that mm-hmm. we want to do so it's it's a structure so it's like a you know like a house it's yeah it's almost mm-hmm. 20 years old now, so it's time to do some repairs. Yeah, on I know. So. I got a 20-year-old house. I'm not looking forward to <laughs> roofs and everything like that. Those are bigger <laughs> price tags than they were 21 years ago when I did it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I got to tell you, if you're a warden or you're a family of a warden, it is, it, it's a sight to see. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is. It's, you know, full disclosure, it's a little out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we kind of like it that way. It has personality in that regard. You know, it's not completely in the middle of nowhere, but it's in a very remote area. The Peace Garden is very tranquil. It's very scenic. Mm-hmm. There is a music camp inside the Peace Garden. So if you're planning a trip up there, it's nice to plan the trip right around the Friday because Friday night they do a free concert. The, kids, the kids will play. There's a little amphitheater. And people come up and watch them play, and it's just a place for them to kind of practice their chops. And they're very good. Yeah. There's an RV park in there, so if you have an RV, it's great to bring it up. Um, very quiet. It's just, it's just what the name says. It's peaceful there. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it better than that. It's you. You sounds can, like a great location. It's very relaxing to be there at night. Yeah. Um, and of course, you come into the museum, and yeah. the Carns are just awe-inspiring. You know, mm. the Carns with every state and province, and the fallen officers. Mm. It's, I don't know. To me, it's you know, it's worth the trek. Yeah, yeah. I'd say Absolutely. so. You get me choked up here thinking of that. So definitely an awesome place for our fallen officers to be represented. The North American Game Warden Museum. Put it on your bucket list. Every mm-hmm. warden should go and visit at least, and every person loves conservation should go up there and learn the history of the game wardens of north america thanks guys thank you thank you
please join me, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and other Game Wardens on our adventures, protecting wildlife, saving lives, and having fun, all while serving the public and the natural resources of our planet. Listen to the tales and experiences of those who work in the outdoors while being entertained with stories about encounters with poachers, wildlife investigation, murder investigation, near-death experiences, search and rescue missions, wildlife interactions from game wardens around the country and around the world. When I retired, I realized I couldn't let go of that legacy, but rather wanted to share the passion, the commitment, and the stories of those men and women that call themselves game wardens. This is Game Warden, Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch.